Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Throned in our lives as we worship him. You know, if we're going to see his hand move in us, we have to have that relationship. It's so funny. There's, there's a phrase that people use sometimes like this. Well, I worship God in my own way. I don't need to go to church to worship God. I don't like organized religion. I think there's too many fake and phony things there. I just worship God the way that I see fit to worship God. Now, if you ever have folks tell you things like that, why not ask them how they do it? Okay, well, how do you worship God? Well, I worship in my own way. What does it mean? What does it mean? How does it happen, you know? The Word constantly is telling us several different places. We worship God in spirit and in truth. So are we worshiping from our spirit? Well, many times those folks don't know anything about the spirit. And so they're trying to figure out how to do their own thing independently and yet not have to answer to anybody else. The Bible says, but you are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. The the children of Israel had a responsibility. They had a relationship with the God of creation. Nobody else did at that time. In fact, people had all kinds of different false religion. People were involved in different worship of idols and so many different things, but they were not involved in worshiping the creator of all the universe. So Israel had a responsibility to be the voice of the people that would worship God. So think about this. We are the people of God today. How do we worship him? It is our responsibility to be a worshiper. It's not the responsibility of an unbeliever down the street, but it is our responsibility as the people of God. You are wholly enthroned on the praises of Christians. We're changing it just a little bit here, taking it and applying it to each of our lives. We are enthroning the praises of our God. So with that, with the kind of praise we're talking about, it's not something that we take lightly. It's not something that we just do only on Sundays or even on a Wednesday night, but we are praising him and worshiping him all day long. Maybe you start your morning out by praising him. Maybe you take a little time to pray and seek his face in the afternoon. Maybe you do some at night. Maybe you do it over your meals, but you find some way to be able to pray and to rejoice and to give God glory. The healing moves of God that have happened throughout church history have all had prayer saturating them because it can't ever be something that we can manipulate. It must be a move of God. So here we read it, God is enthroned on, uh, in our lives as we worship him. Let's jump over to the New Testament for a moment, to the book of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4.
Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now, if we're going to rejoice, we are going to be praising. We're going to be thanking God. We're going to give Him glory. So, when you think about God, how many of you woke up this morning and were alive? <laughs> rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Maybe we didn't think that way. Maybe we thought, oh, the alarm. Now, I always set the alarm. This morning, I didn't. I woke up in time, but I was about 10 minutes off schedule. Oh, my goodness. When I looked at that clock, I thought, what in the world happened? Last thing I remember was watching Michael Phelps swim, <laughs> laying my head back down on the pillow thinking, oh, there's some other race or something coming up. And all I heard was my wife say to me, just relax, go to sleep. I'm awake, I'm awake, just go ahead and go to sleep. And I don't remember anything else except that alarm not going off that should have went off. So when I woke up feeling behind, I was running to try to get things caught up and get in the normal mode that I'm in. And yet it was still the day the Lord's made. So it wasn't as my normal habit to put my feet outside the bed and say, thank you, Lord, for another day. I had to wait until I was in the car, and as I'm driving down the road thinking, oh, wait a minute, they reduced the speed limit out here. Don't go too fast. The cops are always sitting up there by Culver's. As I'm going by and there's no police officer up there, I'm thinking, I, I didn't even welcome you today, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that there's no police officer there this morning. How many ways do we have opportunity to praise him? How many ways, and yet sometimes we don't take advantage of that? How many ways has God blessed you this morning? Did your car start? Did your air conditioning work? Do you have food in the cupboards or the refrigerator at home? Is your refrigerator running? Is it still operating? Are there things going on around you? And yet, do we rejoice in the Lord always? And again, I say rejoice. Well, do you want me just to praise him all the time? Boy, it wouldn't hurt us to do that every once in a while, would it? See, I, I understand. I don't want you to just sound religious. I want you to have an experience, though, of understanding how blessed you are all day long. All day long, the sun has been shining. All day long, there has been the power of God at work on the earth, and have we tapped into it at all? All day long, the prayers that you gave out the other day are in effect and changing people's lives out there. Missionaries that you pray for, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Why are we rejoicing? Because we want to enthrone God on our lives. We don't come to church to visit God. He lives here. Hallelujah. We come and worship together in one place for many different reasons, but God is enthroned in our lives. He's there as we worship him. He's there as we praise him. So when sickness or any other attack tries to come against us, we're already worshipers. <coughs> we're already people who have got it down inside of us to give God glory. Where praise is, there is no room for defeat. Where praise is, there is no room for defeat. Stay in the New Testament here. Go back just a few pages in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 
1 Corinthians chapter 4 and take a look at verse 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 19. But I will come to you shortly, if the Lord wills, and will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power. Now stop there just for a moment. The kingdom of God has power. It's not just words. As the apostles writing here, he's saying to him, I, I want to come. I want to be with you now. If the Lord wills and makes it open for me to come, I am going to come. It's true that there are many things that we pray in faith about, and we don't have to ask what God's will is on it. But there's other things we need to ask God what his will is. We need to seek his face. Is this what you want me to do, Lord? Okay, I know the principle. Now, once I know that it's your will for me to do it, I'm going to stand on the principle. I'm going to speak the word. I'm going to take it on. But a lot of times we don't even ask God if it's his will. We just sort of get up with the busyness of the day and take on everything that's there. But is it God's will? Now, I remember reading a story when I was in high school of someone that prayed about whether they should wear socks or not. And they didn't hear anything from the Lord. So they sat on the edge of their bed holding socks in their hand saying, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? Should I wear socks? Should I not wear socks today, Lord? And what color should I wear? Finally, this young man was sitting on the edge of his bed, and his mother came to the door, and she said, you're going to be late for school. He said, I just want God's will in my life. I don't know what I should do, if I should wear socks, if I shouldn't, and what color. His mom said, open your sock drawer. He opened it, and there was black, and there were white socks. She said, to him, and this, the story went with this. She said, put on some black socks. It's cold outside. You need socks today. That's the voice of the Lord. <laughs> Was his mother the voice of God? Well, I imagine all you moms would say yes. Sometimes we overcomplicate things about issues that we don't need to pray about. Should you get dressed or should you go outside the house naked? I don't think you need to pray about that. I want you to know there are times for us to pray and to seek his face, but there are also times for you to understand you're here on this earth, you live in this natural world, and you get to make certain decisions. Do you want peanut butter and jelly or do you want jelly and peanut butter? It's up to you. God's not upset about that. So how do we find the balance? You find the balance because you are rejoicing in the Lord always. You're fellowshipping with him, and you know the Lord. See, if you know somebody, don't you know how they're going to react? When you are close to someone, don't you have a general idea inside of how someone expresses themselves or what they're going to do? You know them. You know their character. This Bible that we have teaches us the character of God. He is a wonderful God. He loves us. He wants to make sure that we're healed. He wants to make sure we're blessed. He wants to take care of us. Then when we read it and says God is enthroned in our lives as we worship him, we read a little further, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. We're going to be people who are praising and worshiping. We're building a relationship with him, the King of kings and Lord of lords. So that when something comes up, Instead of even having to pray sometimes, now hear me out, this is going to sound a little weird if you've never heard this before, 
Sometimes even without the words coming out of your lips, Lord, what's your will for me? All of a sudden, you know. It's just been dropped in your heart. And you know what God is saying. Why do you know that? Because you've been praising him all day long. It's almost like he's answering you before you even ask the question. Now, that doesn't happen all the time. But there'll be moments like that. Something will come up, someone calls you on the phone, and before you can even answer them, all of a sudden, you have this peace of God in your spirit, and you know what the answer is. And you didn't have time to say, just give me a minute, I'm going to pray about this. Sometimes you need to. Take that time. Listen to the Spirit. But you are going to have to decide how you hear from God. The way that Connie hears from God is going to be different than the way Rita hears from God. The way that Barb hears from God is going to be different than the way Emmy hears from God. You're each going to have moments that you are in such a tune with the Lord that you just know what He has for you. Other times, you are going to be worshiping Him and He's going to want you to seek Him a little bit further and a little bit deeper. And as you do that, you're going to know His will. You're going to understand it. You'll either find it in the Word or you'll just know the Spirit says to you, here's the answer. Thank God that the Lord is not in a rut. You know what? We get in ruts, don't we? We get in ruts. I'll never forget talking to a lady in the church that she attended. They were going to do some remodeling. And down front, they had a prayer rail. And when people received communion, they went up to the prayer rail, and there was a kneeling bench there. And they would kneel, and they'd get communion up in the front. That was the tradition within that church. So they were getting ready to remodel. And the lady that I'm speaking of here went to her pastor, and she said, what's going to happen to the prayer rail? He says, well, we're going to do away with it. Why? Well, we're going to go with a different design. The stage is going to come out a little bit further. It's going to be a little bit larger in different areas so that we can accommodate singers and this type of thing. So we're getting rid of the prayer rail. She said, I have to have it. He said, why do you need to have it? She said, I need to have it. Even this section over here, because that's my section. As he started to think about it, it's true that whenever they had prayer, that woman always went to that little corner, and that's where she would kneel and pray. She said, I want to have that prayer ring. Don't throw it away. I'm going to have my husband make it a headboard for our bed. So they were going to throw it away, and they said, okay, you can have that little section. Now, while it's true that there are times and places that we have experiences with God, and it's true that there are times and moments that you'll find that certain things happen and God always speaks to you at that moment, we have to be careful not to get in a rut to think that's the only time God speaks. God is speaking all the time. Hallelujah. So how do I do it? How do I know? How do I learn? Well, I want to challenge you. If you're in a rut, you've got things down. Pastor, I pray every morning. At 6.06, I am praying in the shower. At 6.10, while I'm brushing my teeth, I'm praying in tongues because I figure nobody understands it anyway at that moment. Oh, good. At least a couple of you got it. I do this and this and this. How about changing up your routine just a little bit? 
to challenge yourself? Can you hear from God if you get up a little bit earlier or if you change up your schedule? Can you hear from God if you're not in your chair with the holy light on and your Bible in one hand? Well, Pastor, you know, God always speaks to me better if the overhead light isn't on and I just have a lamp because that's where I do my devotions. And you know, sometimes when the sun's coming in the window just a little bit and that lamp's on, it's almost like seeing an aura of the presence of God. Don't tell me you've got a prayer railing as your headboard in your bedroom. But isn't it somewhat comforting to always do something the same? Isn't there a certain amount of comfort there? That we have not only a routine, but we have a relationship with God that seems pretty well in control. I don't want to be in control. I want God to be in control. I want to know that his healing power will work because I am in tune with him. I want you to stay in the New Testament, but go back to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I understand about having routines. In fact, I understand about traditions. There was a time as a little boy, after I had became a Christian, that my grandmother had a little light in the bedroom when we were going and spend the night in there, and it was a, a little light bulb that was blue. Man, I like that blue light. So when we were dozing off to sleep, the little blue light would be on, and in the morning it was off. I don't know, fairies, my grandmother, someone came and turned it off in the middle of the night. So one night when I was spending the night, my grandma said to me the next day, would you like to take the blue light home? The holy blue light. Now, it wasn't because one day I would work at Kmart, okay? I remember taking that blue light home, and the lamp that was on my desk, I unscrewed the light bulb there, and I put the blue light in. And I sat down that night to read my Bible, and I pushed the button, and the blue light came on. Every night for the next two weeks, I would sit at my desk with my Bible and the blue light was on. I have to tell you how goofy I felt after a while. Thank the Lord for the Holy Spirit. Because I really thought I was having a spiritual experience with the blue light on. Probably 12 years old. Could I read my Bible without the blue light? Oh, sure. But for me... Having that blue light on, it just meant something. It's sort of like sometimes when people come out of high church worship where they have lots of ritual and routine, and they come into a service like ours, it's almost like they don't feel like they're having church because they didn't stand up and sit down. They didn't recite creeds. They didn't say certain prayers. They didn't do these things because that was their tradition. I'll never forget the night that the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and he said, don't turn the blue light on. My grandmother gave that to me. Don't you know who she is? Don't turn the light on. And that evening, 
it was one of those moments that you mark in your head, you know, those moments of something being enlightened to you. And at that moment, I realized I was not doing anything but having a tradition instead of having the power of God. Look at this verse in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, and from such people turn away. Now the verses above it there, I didn't have them program this in, but I want to go up there. I don't know if you can do that. Verses 2, 3, 4, and 5. But in verse 2 it says, For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Ha excuse me, having a form of godliness but denying its power, and from such people turn away. When it says power there in verse 5, I have a subnote that in the Greek language it's the word dunamis. Having a form of godliness but be denying the dunamis, the power of the Holy Spirit. From such people turn away. We can somewhat get into a rut in our lives of thinking that only certain people can hear from God. Oh, you know that one person, they always give a message in tongues at church. I could never do that. Yes, you can because you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, but God never asked me. Do you ever say to him, Lord, I'm available tonight. I'm here to worship you. I'm going to worship you forever. I'm going to worship you. Okay, I, you've said it. Now, are you open? Well, but what if I do it wrong? What if you do it right? Be used of God. Don't ever just sit back and say, oh, so-and-so's here. They can interpret tongues. I can't interpret tongues. Yes, you can. You have all nine gifts of the Spirit in you. God wants to use you if you'll open up to Him. I want to ask you and challenge you that as you even come into church on Sunday morning, would you, as you walk through those back doors, say this to the Lord? Just say, God, I'm here. I'm available. If you want to use me, I am ready. I think it'll change the dynamic of our worship. I think it'll change the dynamic of the Holy Spirit in each of our own lives. I never want to just give lip service to God. I was reading my Bible under the holy blue light. I was going through the, my routine. I had a picture of Jesus that was over my dresser. I could look at that, and I saw that, and I just figured that's what Jesus looked like. That was how I saw him. That's how I pictured him. Having lip service does not necessarily mean you have faith for something. I don't ever want to just speak words that have no power. I want to believe in the power of the Holy Spirit that will come alive and flow through me so that when I speak out in faith, I see results happen. How do I see the results? Because I know them. I know them. I know them. I feel them in my gut. I feel them in my spirit. Am I saying the right words? Yes. There are times you'll have a knowing, but there'll be other times you just feel God. Hallelujah. We don't live for the feeling, but the feelings can come and be there. And it will be another sign and a confirmation to you and I of the mighty presence of God. Hallelujah. 
He's worthy to be praised. In Genesis, as it speaks over there, you don't have to turn, but Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. God was doing that as God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He's here to heal you and to flow through you. You have an anointing that is working in your life. Now, will you let that anointing out? Will you be open to God? No, you don't have to usurp anybody. You don't have to try to be somebody else. Listen, if Carolyn's up here holding the prayer towels that we do for sometimes if a lady would go under the power of God and we want to have that modesty for her, you don't just say, well, I have the anointing of the sheets. And you, you just don't walk up to Carolyn and say, by the way, you used to have this, now I've got it, go sit down. Well, maybe you do and maybe you don't have the Lord saying to you something else is going to happen. But God is not in the business of just ruffling feathers. Do what God's called you to do. Well, if someone, you know, pastor, if you were more spiritual, you'd know that I have the sheep ministry. Well, why don't you practice it at home? Make your bed. Well, I don't make my bed. I'm going to get back into it anyway. Don't be lazy. Well, I probably just insulted somebody. <laughs> Understand, if God is leading you to do something new, then he will make a way for you. He'll give you another expression to be able to do things. But he's not going to knock somebody off. Your daughter and son-in-law are ministering in Canada. In Canada. They live in an igloo. It's cold up there all the time. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be terrible? Wouldn't it be something if you and Paul got in the car, and you drove up to Canada, and you get out of the car, and Paul looks at Matthew and says, Now, I know you've been here, what, 10, 5 years, something like this, doing this particular work in this town, but I've decided I'm going to be the new pastor. So move back to East Moline and go to work for the nursing home I work at. And Matthew would look at your husband and say, God hasn't told me that. It doesn't matter. He told me, now get out of the pulpit. I'm the new pastor. <laughs> well, wouldn't it be just as good? Same family. You need to find what God's doing and what he's saying to do. You need to know that the healing anointing is in you, and that doesn't mean you have to be the one up front praying for people. You need to start praying for people out in your community. There will be times we'll have more people up here praying. There'll be more things happening. From what I understand, I didn't even get a chance to ask you, did we run out of communion Sunday morning? Okay, we were 10 cups short. That's the first time that's ever happened. So, that's a good thing. Do you understand, as other people come in, as new things begin to happen, we're going to need to make some expansion on the way we do certain things. That means there's going to be new opportunities for everyone to serve and to do other things for the glory of God. Will you be ready for that? If you are, you say to God, prepare me now, I'm ready, I'm ready. 
Years ago, when John Osteen was still alive, before his son took over the church, we were down in Houston, we went to their service, and what they did is they got ready to pray over people, and instead of John trying to go through and pray over 100 different people, he had 25, 30 people from the audience that it was their job that particular week to be up there praying. And so everybody was out in front, and they started looking, and the ushers were there helping them. Now, this is what I could only see from watching in the congregation. But it looked like the usher tried to group people in groups of five or six, tried to leave a little space in between them, and then the person who was praying in the middle, it was their job to pray for those five or six. Well, but, yeah, they were just, you know, regular people. They weren't him. Only John Osteen has the anointing of God on him. Everyone has the anointing of God. If John Osteen says, I'm appointing these to be able to help pray, then that means the anointing of God had given that liberty that these folks were to be the prayer warriors. Oral Roberts would do that many different times. Sometimes Catherine Kuhlman, when she would be ministering to people, would be moving over a congregation looking out like this, and as she would move her hand, people would go out under the anointing of the Holy Spirit throughout the whole congregation, just falling out in the chairs. Nobody even got up front. Why? It was a different time, a different place. There were different things happening. This is 2016. We must be ready for what God is doing in 2016. We must know the foundations and the truth we have. We must celebrate our heritage and the legacy that we have. But we must be open to being used by God and knowing that the Lord is the same Lord in Genesis of creation that said, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, and over everything that creeps upon the face of the earth. You need to have that dominion. You need to have it in your home, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school. You need to have it in your church. You need to have that dominion that's there. And when you have that dominion working in your life, God opens up opportunities for you. Hallelujah. You remember that scripture that says the Lord will build his church? How many times do we try as the church of Jesus Christ to build the church and not let God build it? How many times do we try to find a new gimmick, a new idea, a new this, a new that? I have to tell you, there are gimmicks out there every, every single week that try to get new ways to get people to do things. One of the gimmicks was if you put a guest sign in front of your church, guests will start to come. Give them free designated parking out there. Make everybody else park out and guests get to park up close. Because if you give them free parking like that, real close to the door, everybody's going to come. I went to a meeting where there was a young pastor, and he had a church that was in a neighborhood that was off the beaten path. And he stood there looking at everybody, and he was just crying. He said, I don't know what we're doing wrong. We have two guest parking places in front of our building, and no one ever comes. He was serious. He was serious because he read in the church growth magazine the way to do the outreach that brings people in is to make a guest feel special. Folks, if we ever lose out on how God builds the churches through prayer, evangelism, and lives being touched, we've lost it. We might as well replace the church sign out front and just say, come on in and let's roller skate. Roller skating is great. It's a fun thing to do, but it's not worship unto God. 
We've got to worship the Lord. We've got to let him build his church. That doesn't mean we don't invite people. That doesn't mean we don't go out and try to do outreaches. Absolutely. But we've got to know that God is not into gimmicks. God is into his Holy Spirit and power. Hallelujah. Here's what I'd like us to do tonight. I want us to take just a few moments in the presence of the Lord to look inside. Are you a worshiper? Have you rejoiced in the Lord and given him praise already today? I know you just sang some songs. I know you just worshiped a moment ago in our worship and praise. But have you just taken a moment to love on him? Not asking him for anything, but just loving on him. I'd like to ask you to do that. Just feel free right where you are to close your eyes. And I'll tell you what, let's just take one minute. You don't have to do anything out loud. Just take one minute and look inside and begin to rejoice and to love on God. For this recording that's going on, it'll be quiet now just for a moment. I'm asking all of you to do the same thing. Look within your heart. And let the power of God go into work. Hallelujah. We honor you tonight, Lord. I'd like to invite you to come up if you need prayer tonight and just sit in this chair and we're going to gather around you and pray. Whatever you have need of, we don't need to know the details the Spirit does. But if you need prayer, come on up here this evening. Let's stand up together. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. Hmm. Well, Diane, well, let's bring you down from up there in the sound room. I know you need prayer tonight. We can get by without words for a little bit. 
Thank you, Father. Why she's coming, just something you can be praying about. Saturday morning, I'm going to be doing a funeral for a young couple that are just teenagers, and they had a stillborn baby this week. Their lives are devastated. Their families are torn up. They don't know Jesus. Let me tell you what, they need the Lord. Keep them in your prayers. Why don't you go ahead and feel free to step out from your seats and come on up here with Diane. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, different ones of you, if you just sense the Lord leading you to pray out, you go ahead and pray out. We'll be in agreement with the Word of God that you pray and, and release with your faith. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, Malakaloma, Lamanamanamanamana, Manamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanamanaman